Right. So, Leah was the first and less loved wife of Jacob the Patriarch, and she was in competition with her sister, Jacob's second and preferred wife, Rachel, to produce offspring for their husband. Not including the children born to the sister's maidservants, whom they each had sleep with their shared husband to produce offspring, Leah had given Jacob five sons, and Rachel hadn't any. Then Leah gave birth to her sixth and last son, and she named him Zebulun, and she said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. These are the last words of Leah that are recorded for us by Moses, other than a time when the two sisters spoke as one to encourage their husband to leave the territory belonging to their father, Laban. Leah was right to call Zebulun a gift. All children are. It was also accurate to say that she had given Jacob six sons. That's simple math. But did Zebulun's birth change anything about Leah's relationship with her husband? Did Jacob ever love her more than or even as much as his first choice and second wife, Rachel? Did Zebulun's birth win Leah the honor she sought from Jacob? Not that we ever hear about. I find it fascinating, and by fascinating I mean baffling, the ways men and women alike use sex to get things from each other and use other things to try to get sex from each other. I guess everyone does. That's where most literature, a good deal of music, and nearly all of television comes from. But don't you think that if God could be baffled, he'd be baffled over the same thing? Sex has a very clear biological purpose. Or purposes, I should say, because there are two very obvious outcomes of sex. The first, because it's immediate, is pleasure. The second, because only time will tell if the sex achieved this purpose, is children. And it is so human to focus on the first, immediate outcome of sex, and to focus on it so much that we forget all about the second. And yet, it is baffling that we use the first outcome to get from others things that we want, and we use the things others want to get the first outcome for ourselves. And then the second comes along, and we act surprised, as if we didn't know that using sex for pleasure will inevitably produce the other clear biological outcome and purpose for sex. And then what? Leah hoped that a sixth child would get her what she wanted, probably because her sister had the advantage regarding the first and immediate outcome of sex. Leah hoped that the second one, the one you have to wait nine or ten months to really appreciate, would be her advantage. But then what? Then there was Zebulun. There was a whole person, a human being who only existed because four women and one man were playing the games people play with sex. 
using sex to get what they wanted, using what others wanted to get sex, trading pleasure and offspring for honor, and holding out potential honor as a way to get more pleasure and offspring. And what was the outcome? At the end, who in this family has gotten what they wanted? Who has any honor? And Jacob has one daughter and twelve sons by four different women, two of which are sisters and two of which are essentially slaves. Thirteen whole people, thirteen children, exist because of the games supposed adults play with and for sex. And what is further baffling to me, and by baffling I mean fascinating, is how little that seems to matter. Take Zebulun, for instance. Wouldn't it have been easy for his life to have been ruined by the bafflingly messed up way he came into the world? But we have no reason to think it was. It's almost as if God watched human beings use and abuse his gifts of sex and pleasure and children and marriage in bafflingly shameful and ignorant and negligent ways, and he was not baffled at all because he cannot be. Instead, he took the results of Jacob's and Leah's and Rachel's sexual sins and brought into the world a child whom he loves. And he gave him a life. A life not defined by the way he came into the world, but defined by the way in which he would leave it. God brought Zebulun into a family that carried a promise right alongside all their shame, a promise that promised to undo their shame through a member of that very family. God promised Zebulun heaven through Jesus. I can virtually guarantee that there have been sexual sins in your life. Maybe you're a victim, maybe you're a perpetrator, Maybe you only exist because somebody thought they could use sex to get something they wanted, or that they could trade something someone else wanted for sex. And if you've been hurt, or if you've got guilt, or you in some way are still dealing with the consequences of that sin, that absolutely matters. For better or worse, it's a part of who you are and how you got here, wherever here is. But it doesn't have to matter to how you get there. God has promised you heaven through Jesus. He has because he is never baffled by sin. Instead, he always forgives it. He heals the hurt. He takes it away like it was never there at all. God has presented you with a precious gift, an honor you don't have to buy or trade for, a love without any conditions, a son, his son, your Jesus. and breath, loved by God, bought by Jesus, 
This podcast is produced by me, Ethan Cherney, a pastor in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Get in touch on Facebook at Dust and Breath Pod, on Twitter at Dust Breath Pod, or by emailing dustandbreathpod at gmail.com. Outro music arranged and performed by Mr. Peter Shawey, who is like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you could leave a review in iTunes or just share an episode on social media, I'd really appreciate it. It's the only way other people can find the show. Now, go do what God made you to do. Be who God called you to be. Go see what God can do with dust and breath and faith in Jesus, his son.